Welcome to In Conversation with Siegberg, the podcast adding a little more color to your day. I'm Carla Brown, your host for this episode, and today we will be discussing how regulations will impact the packaging industry, both in the short and in the long term. As we've mentioned before on this podcast, Siegberg is committed to conducting business with sustainability in mind in everything we do. And we're also committed to sharing our expertise with customers so that they too may meet their sustainability objectives. And what we're finding is that often a driver of these objectives for customers and for brand owners would be existing and forthcoming regulations. So that's an important topic to discuss. And joining me today to do so, to discuss specifically the European Union's packaging and packaging waste regulation, is Andrei Tchaikovsky. So welcome to the show, Andre. You are a guest for the very first time, so we're very pleased to have you. And um, to start off, can you please just tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and also about your role at Siegberg? Hi, Carla. Thanks for having me on to discuss this important topic today. And uh, greeting to all our listeners. So my name is Andre Tcherkovsky. I hold the role of Senior Business Partner for Recycling and Polymers at Siegberg. This role encompasses project management for all plastic packaging design for recycling activities, driving cross-value chain collaboration projects to test new sustainable innovation concepts and products for plastic packaging recycling, and uh, basically just trying to ensure that our business is well-positioned to thrive in the evolving packaging circular economy. Before joining Siegwerk, I worked at ExxonMobil Chemical, where I supported customers in application development for various film extrusion segments. By education, I'm a chemist um, and a graduate degree from University of St. Andrews in UK. And I also hold a PhD in technical chemistry from RWTH Aachen in Germany. Right now, sitting in my home office in Cologne and happy to join this podcast. Perfect. Well, we're very happy to have you, as stated before. And I'm very happy to have the kind of person with your expertise to discuss this topic. Because you are the resident expert on this, let's start with the actual regulation and a little bit of context around, because there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of sort of upheaval, I think, around as far as I understand. So what is the PPWR and which industries will it impact in which countries? So the PPWR, or as you already stated, the Packaging and Packaging Waste Regulation, is a vital piece of legislation that is currently being discussed in Brussels. Uh, it's expected to be accepted in one form or another by May next year. And it's a important part of the European Green Deal, which is the European strategy aimed at achieving carbon neutrality by 2050 on the continent. So it's not just one new piece of policy. It's more of a beginning of a strategic shift towards the circularity of materials in Europe. And it affects almost everyone. So it covers all materials, whether it's plastic, paper, glass, aluminum, steel, or even ceramics. If it's used for packaging, it falls under this regulation. And this basically means that it will impact a variety of industries across the board. So from food and beverage and retail to e-commerce, logistics, manufacturing, it will affect us at Siegwerk as uh, most of our products, uh, namely printing inks and coatings, are used in various packaging segments. And as for countries, since this is a regulation, it will be directly applied across all EU member states, but it will also apply to imports. So we can expect it to create kind of a ripple effect in non-EU countries that trade with the union. Well, so this is a big piece of legislation and it impacts a lot of industries. 
You're saying that it's going to be adopted in one form or another. Does that mean that it is still busy being amended or what? Yeah, correct. So the document is still undergoing a long negotiation process between the parliament, the council and the commission. And there are more than a hundred, several hundred amendments still on the table. So we can see big changes before it actually gets accepted before next May. Okay, that's good to know. As it currently stands without these amendments, what are the biggest changes that this regulation proposes for the industries? Yeah, the, the primary goal of the PPWR is to reduce per capita packaging waste while maximizing retention of materials within the loop. So it's essentially pushing us away from a linear model of consumption to a circular economy where materials should be recycled and reused. So one vital aspect of this is to bring harmonization across the EU member states. So we're talking about unified definitions, standards, waste treatment approaches, labeling laws. So this consistency is very important both for the consumer to make informed decisions and participate more actively in the recycling process, but also for the industry to work with the same set of rules across the entire European Union market. When we're talking about more specific changes for consumers, some noticeable changes will come in the form of packaging bans, specifically on some small single-use items like sauce sachets in restaurants or these miniature shampoo bottles in hotels. These will not exist anymore. And also, we should expect more reuse schemes coming online. For example, in the takeaway sector, think about reusable cups in your local bakery or cafe or uh, reusable packaging in the fast food sector. Also, we can expect more deposit return systems like the Pfand uh, system in Germany to be extended to other EU member states where this is currently not in place. But I think the most significant transformation is happening a bit behind the scenes, for the consumer at least namely in the recycling space, especially affecting plastic packaging. And there's two main components for this. One is design changes. So packaging will have to be designed with recyclability as a key consideration. And the other one is recycled content requirements. So the current draft of the document mandates specific levels of recycled content in all types of plastic packaging. Wow. Okay, you've touched on this a little bit. But in a nutshell, what does this mean for the recyclability of packaging in the future? The goal is very clear and has been known for years already. All packaging must be recyclable by 2030 and recycled at scale by 2035. So any packaging that will not comply with these standards will be banned from the European market. So you cannot sell it anymore. You cannot put it on the market. You cannot import it. Although the intention is clear, the challenge really lies in defining what precisely counts as recyclable. And this is where there's a lot of uncertainty today, as the EU Commission has hardly provided any guidance of what constitutes recyclable design. So they've promised to add these so-called design for recycling criteria at a later date. But since we're talking about 30 different packaging types, this will be a massive amount of work. And This is one of the topics that's currently hotly debated between the Commission, the Council, the Parliament, and of course, all the industry associations, since the implications for businesses involved can be huge. Now, industry experts have already been working on these criteria in the form of design for recycling guidelines for quite some years, and now starting to transform these to European standards. And, and, And the plan here is to 
have these standards form the basis of the design for recycling criteria. But there are still some problems with this. One is that the commission has not committed to this course of action. And the second one is that these existing guidelines are structured to fit current recycling infrastructure. And those who are involved in this industry know that the recycling sector hasn't been very profitable in the last few years. It's highly fragmented, hasn't seen much investment, hasn't seen much growth. So that means that the recycling facilities are using quite outdated technologies. And as a result, these guidelines don't account for new technologies that enter the market. And one example that's very close to my heart is deinking. This is a key pathway that has been identified by the packaging value chain to reduce the impact of printing inks and coatings on recyclate quality. And this process is already widely accepted in paper recycling. It has been demonstrated at pilot scale for plastic recycling and has already been even implemented at commercial scale at several sites for post-industrial waste. But since it requires very specific conditions, namely aqueous hot washing, that are just starting to be implemented in the recycling industry, the process is yet to make its way into the guidelines. So I think to kind of summarize my answer, the vision for recyclability in the regulation is clear and quite transformative, but the devil is really in the details. The success of this regulation depends on clear and forward-thinking criteria that consider not just today's recycling capabilities, but also emerging technologies and innovation. And it's really important that the EU Commission gets this right and doesn't block innovation in both aspects of high-quality recycling and packaging design for recyclability. That's a very good point. Um, You've mentioned that the current infrastructure is lacking and that we know that there hasn't been investment in actually developing this. And therefore, as you've mentioned, it's not, there are challenges regarding the inking, for example, which is a known, we have previous podcast episodes on this topic for our listeners, if you haven't listened to those. So the inking is a challenge that it, where it shouldn't be. So do you think that this regulation could, for example, drive development in this infrastructure? And what are some of the other parts that you find positive about this regulation? Yeah, absolutely. In general, I find many aspects of the PPWR to be positive and uh, frankly necessary. I appreciate the whole initiative. We do indeed need this kind of regulation to drive change in the packaging industry. We know that the costs of uh, waste collection, sorting, and utilization are very high. And we know that the business opportunities in recycling are very limited. And therefore, we need policy to support the recycling industry in order to have it evolve and reach the levels that we require for a circular economy in Europe. So by setting these recycled content targets, the PPWR actually aims to decouple the industry from reliance on cheap petrochemicals and therefore make recycling more profitable and more attractive for investment. On the other hand, these standardized guidelines around recyclability are essential to ensure that recyclers actually have something to work with and to produce high-quality recyclates out of. So in this aspect, this makes perfect sense. Another aspect that I find very positive is the clarity around compostable plastics. I think this is probably one of the most greenwashed subjects and one of the most misunderstood subjects in the eyes of the consumer. So by limiting compostables to applications where they actually make sense, so applications with high organic residues, 
such as tea bags, fruit stickers, coffee pods. The EU takes a very sensible approach towards circularity. What I think is also very important from an industry perspective is that the regulation is aimed at creating a level playing field. Many people talk about this, and I would like to point this out again, the importance of this again. At Siegwerk, similarly to other front-running companies, we're investing heavily in sustainable innovation projects, hundreds of circular solutions ready to roll out. But the market uptake is very slow because these solutions need to scale up. These solutions require revalidation from our customers, and there are extra costs associated with this. Now, with the PPWR, the intention is that the circular solutions won't have to compete with the outdated linear model. So this means that our customers and also the big brands will have to adopt these new, more sustainable solutions. And that will be very likely more expensive at the beginning of this journey. But as long as everyone has to invest, there is no risk for companies to lose market share due to pricing differences with competition. And this is why we need this level playing field to move this industry forwards. That makes a lot of sense. So as you've mentioned, I mean, this does look very positive in terms of the objectives and the vision. Overall, it looks very positive. But as you mentioned, the devil is in the details. And you've already mentioned the costs associated for the industry if they want to adopt this. So what are some of the challenges associated with this regulation if it should be adopted as it is currently drafted? Indeed, there are a number of challenges. With the regulation as it's currently drafted, we already discussed the details around recyclability definitions. There are many other challenges. Uh, think about all the bureaucratic burdens that will come with all the reporting, especially for the small and medium-sized companies that don't have the resources to take care of this. There's also a lot of questions, how will this whole thing be enforced? But one of the big challenges also associated with costs is around these recycled content targets. This is, in general, quite challenging to get right, right, because on one hand, you need these targets to be ambitious, to create this viable market for recyclers. But if you set them too high, you can cause serious disruptions in the supply chain, because if you're not complying with the quotas, you will be banned from the market. And some of these 2030 targets do feel overambitious. If we look at Germany, for example, despite being one of the leaders in recycling, the country would still need to multiply its polyolefin recyclates fivefold to meet the 2030 quotas. And the gap is even more substantial for other EU member states. Even more concerning are the 10% PCR targets for contact-sensitive applications like food packaging. Now, we have safety and hygiene re regulations in Europe that do not allow polyolefin PCR in these applications by law unless they are made by pyrolysis. And pyrolysis is a process that hasn't yet proven feasible at scale, and more importantly, hasn't delivered any convincing environmental footprint analysis. So I think the EU has to be very careful here not to create barriers to a more sustainable future rather than pathways, and basically find the right balance between ambition and practicality. I'm kind of puzzled by the EU's missed opportunity to promote recyclable bioplastics as an alternative to meet the quotas. I'm certain that many companies, similarly to us at Ziegwerk, have a range of bio-based products ready to launch, but without incentive for our customers to invest more in scaling up these products, the demands are and will remain low. 
Let's hope some of these considerations are taken into account in the next draft or in the amendments that are currently being made. Speaking of balance, are there any unforeseen consequences that you think this regulation may create? So for example, something that I am thinking of off the top of my head is creating more food waste due to reducing packaging performance. Yeah, certainly. We already touched upon risks of packaging not being able to meet these targets around recyclability, around recycled content, and this could be a problem. For example, for recycled content, the shortage of recyclates on the market could lead to a continuous increase in prices. And since flexible plastic packaging for food is comparatively low value, it will be very difficult to absorb these higher costs. And this can, of course, affect food distribution and availability. But another concern for me is the large focus of the regulation on plastics. Many packaging bans are plastic specific, and the recycled content targets are also only directed at plastics. So this uncertainty and pressure could further push companies to move to fiber-based alternatives like paper. Now, don't get me wrong, I have nothing against paper. It's a great material, has a very well-established recycling infrastructure. But the shift from plastic to paper today, as we see it, is often driven more by marketing rather than by sustainable choices. And this extra pressure on plastic materials can basically further accelerate this trend. Paper is not always the most suitable packaging material, especially when we think about food packaging and consider barrier properties, consider hermetic sealing, and these things also directly affect the shelf life of food products. Of course, there's a lot of innovation happening around barrier and around heat seal coatings. And we at Zegwick are also very active in this space, ensuring that these solutions are compatible with paper recycling. But we must avoid companies finding loopholes that undermine the broader goals of carbon neutrality and waste reduction and ending up just shifting the problem from one material to another. And I think we've already seen enough of this with paper straws and plates thanks to the single-use plastics directive, and the commission has to avoid the same mistakes in this initiative. I completely agree. And I think from my perspective, a lot of these decisions are being pushed by, as you said, marketing instead of science, and perhaps there needs to be returned back to the facts and the science on this. Um, you've mentioned that we are developing a lot of products and solutions to advance circularity and sustainability. And a lot of this is aligned with the regulation, but how are we proactively responding to this regulation in other ways? Yeah, first of all, we are focusing on assisting in the establishment of design for recycling criteria for the regulation. For us, of course, it's very important that they are not only meaningful and fact-based, but also uh, open to future innovation like de-inking. Uh, we are actively participating in cross-industry initiatives like CFLEX and Reciclas, working on the design guidelines for Europe. We also joined the work of CEN, which is the European Committee of Standardization, therefore aligning our views with the European norms. And we actually initiated our own standardization work within DIN. So this is the German National Organization for Standardization. Here we managed to establish a committee comprising 12 companies across the value chain, including recyclers, converters, machine producers, research centers, and even our biggest competitors. And together, we are working to develop a standardized, objective test method for evaluating de-inking efficiency, of course, with the aim of it becoming a part of these design for recycling criteria in the regulation. In a broader sense, uh, like you already uh, touched upon, 
in anticipation of the regulation and recognizing that the packaging value chain will have to wake up to these changes, we are starting to shift our product portfolio more and more accordingly. So this includes developing more robust solutions in the areas of de-inking and functional coatings, but also many other solutions that will assist this transition to circular packaging. We offer solutions and products in the area of paper packaging, monomaterial polyolefin pouches, monomaterial trays, de-inkable shrink sleeves, delamination technologies, bio-based products, inks suitable for compostable packaging. So in short, I think Ziegwerk is and will be even more ready to equip our customers and the industry with a broad range of solutions to meet and exceed the upcoming regulatory requirements. That's great to know. And if anybody is listening and would like to know more about what we offer in terms of circular solutions and de-inking, you can visit our website and there are contact forms so you can reach out and find out more and contact us directly. And that is unfortunately all we have time for today. This was a very, very interesting discussion. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge, Andre. And we'd love to have you back for another discussion, maybe on de-inking. It's always very interesting to talk to you. And thank you as always to our listeners. Keep an eye out for future episodes and bye for now.